Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Podcast Public Service Announcement. You're about to hear an episode in the middle of a multi-part show arc. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, we suggest you skip back to part one of this topic in the feed and listen in order. All right, Paranoid Strain Orchestra, hit it. There we have an overview of the actual group that conspiracists may or may not know they're referring to when they talk about the all-powerful Illuminati, an influential but ultimately unsuccessful secret society that tried to foment a revolution of reason in the late 18th century and that influenced like-minded revolutionaries in the future. But that's not why people still talk about them, of course. No, the reason people still talk about them is that they're a convenient scapegoat for literally anything that a conspiracy-minded person might want to ascribe to the deliberate machinations of human beings, as opposed to the accidental happenstance of a complex and often inscrutable world. When I hear somebody mention the Illuminati and they're talking about Illuminati in modern days, I'd say what they're really trying to state is the elites in the background. They get all the money, they own all the corporations, they have influence inside government, and we all know they control a lot of what the politicians do because they give them money. This catch-all term for Illuminati really means the big bad guys in the background controlling the world. To a certain extent, they do, but there's not really any continuation from the original order. So it's not a term to take seriously. They should actually think about what they mean when they say the Illuminati. Talk to somebody who knows about it. Maybe I'll explain or somebody else will explain. Sure, there's elites here and there. They've always been in control. But if you call them Illuminati, you're just muddying the waters. Certainly. When we ventured out beyond the safe harbor of Melanson's book and into the wild and untamed seas of Kindle Unlimited Illuminati conspiracy books, we quickly realized that no conspiracist author seems to mean the same thing as any other similar author when he or she talks about the Illuminati. For example... There are books purporting to help hopefuls figure out how to get in on the ground floor of this world-controlling behind-the-scenes conspiracy racket. For our purposes, we will discuss How to Join the Illuminati by John Bett, a sort of guide to convincing yourself that you're worthy to join an imaginary group of all-powerful manipulators. Without further editorializing, here are just a few of the book's helpful tips. Don't sell your soul. Why sell your soul? You have more bargaining power if you keep it and join the devil's ranks without compromising your integrity. No more praying to a higher power. Feel free to acknowledge that asshole if you must, but don't genuflect and certainly don't ask any favours of him. Next time you're looking up, give God that one-finger salute just to show him who's in charge here. Nobody respects a cuck. A loser. If you're content with things as they are, if you don't desire more power or control, then you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. If any one book can be said to constitute an Illuminati Bible, it is Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Read it. If you don't like it, who cares? 
It's a philosophical novel which demonstrates the morality of the Illuminati. Read all the conspiracies. Most of them are partially true, especially the ones you'll be inclined to disagree with the most. The easily believable ones are probably misinformation spread by other members of the Illuminati. You may find it helpful to binge-watch conspiracies on YouTube for hours at a time. If someone on the street told you that satellites don't really work so the governments have all been using blimps and spy planes in order to fool the gullible public, you might be inclined to reject the idea out of hand. The deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the less your view of reality will resemble the one you had before you started the journey. This is a personal journey and no two roads are alike. We are a nation of individuals and while we celebrate our uniqueness and are distinguished by our differences, we are unified by a common purpose and we are all headed in the same direction. Towards the burning light of Lucifer. Ideal for that person in your life who's a perfect mix of total sociopathy and extreme gullibility. Yeah, we would send you to their website, Illuminati Nation, to learn more, but it is sadly defunct. As you can see from those excerpts, it's hard to tell whether the book is Ascended Master Level Trolling, a cynical attempt to squeeze cash out of the deluded and narcissistic, or the sincere ruminations of a goddamned lunatic. But you can also see that, regardless, it's stuffed to the gills with delicious morsels of abject nonsense and is therefore an important part of a healthy, fearful Jesuit breakfast. As our representative example of the other major thread of general Illuminati conspiracy-mongering, we turn to the late, prolific Jim Mars, an independent journalist who was, until his death in 2017, one of the most reliable purveyors of conspiracist twaddle on every subject, from UFOs to JFK to why JFK was killed over his threat to reveal UFOs. Among Mr. Mars' many, many, many weighty tomes of loosely connected allegations and Baroque fantasies, all written in a plausible deniability style, with the craziest conjectures unconvincingly kept at a distance with phrases like many suggest and some say. He penned one called simply The Illuminati, and whereas Terry Mellinson's book works hard to hew to primary sources and carefully constructed arguments, Jim Mars doesn't do that. We will credit Mr. Mars with at least acknowledging the importance of Mellinson's book, The Perfectibilists, to historical knowledge of the group, if only all of his sources and allegations were so well supported. Mars lays out his bona fides early, jumping in with both feet on the conspiracy as opposed to coincidence theory of history, which we previously illustrated with the ravings of religious tract magnate Jack Chick. Mars defends his stance thus. History tends to support the conspiratorial view. One need only look at world and national events and place them into a historical context to see the telltale signs of conspiracy. A growing number now view human history as one long series of conspiracies. Accidents occur all the time, but if an action cannot be ascribed to an accident or an act of God, then someone planned it. It's a conspiracy. Not only is he conspiracy-friendly to an untoward degree, Mars is also one of those apparently non-racist loons who nonetheless simply can't let go of the protocols of the elders of Zion as we can see in his uncomfortable effort to get the Hitler anti-Semitic stench off of said protocols so he can subsequently blame them instead on the Illuminists. Hitler sensed a real conspiracy, but in his belief system, this conspiracy stemmed from Jews. Some researchers believe there is evidence indicating that the protocols may have originally been an Illuminati document, only later fabricated as anti-Jewish propaganda. Okay, he's a nutter. We believe you. But what does he have to say about the Illuminati? Oh, Dana, what doesn't he have to say? 
He says there's evidence they plotted to kill Archduke Franz Ferdinand and kick off World War I. Well, not exactly. He instead quotes a Canadian naval commander named Carr. Mars always quotes someone else issuing the craziest shit he recapitulates, maintaining a quasi-air of distance and objectivity, even though the overall tone of his book is clearly in sympathy with all of the craziest allegations he can print. Allegations like? Well, an inordinate percentage of this book is devoted to convincing readers that the Illuminati are in some way connected to ancient aliens who ruled over ancient humans, and from whom our ancestors learned of world-changing technologies that were lost in the ensuing rebellion against our sky daddies, only recently rediscovered by, for example, a cotton farmer in Arizona in the 1970s. Okay, I'm trying a new approach. Jeez, Jesuit, that's some surprising information. But I assume there's plenty of evidence to back up this unexpected and world-shaking series of allegations. No, Dana. There's no evidence at all. How, after years of doing this show, could you not know that? These guys never have any idea what they're saying. I could totally make up quotes from them and you would never know the difference. Ha! So I caught you. You made up this ancient aliens Illuminati technology thing. There is no way this shit made it into an actual published book. Ooh, sorry, I didn't make it up. Mars really suggested that. We've got some lovely parting gifts for you, though. To get us into the spirit, here's a big ol' Mars quote about some other researchers who are actually just spouting ancient alien lunacy. Others, such as authors Philip Gardner and Gary Osborne, in their well-researched book, The Shining Ones, state that these enlightened beings might have alternatively come from inner Earth or from some earlier destroyed civilization akin to fabled Atlantis. The tradition of gods who acted in very human ways. They envied and hated each other, schemed against their relatives, even fought wars among themselves, using humans as pawns, has been carried down through the religions of the Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans. Gardner and Osborne attempted to determine if secret societies, such as the Illuminati, Freemasons, Rosicrucians, Knights Templar, Knights of Malta, Opus Dei, and others, revolved around the same center. They concluded they do. It's good to know the Illuminati weren't necessarily ancient aliens. These authors generously allowed that they might come from an imaginary hollow earth or an imaginary drowned hyper-advanced civilization. All very convincing. But, as we suggested a few moments ago, Mars jumps immediately from his at-best vaguely Illuminati-referencing ancient alien shtick to suddenly talk about this. The accidental discovery of single-atom elements by a Phoenix-area cotton farmer in the 1970s may have actually been a rediscovery of technology in use by the ancient astronauts. This involves the manipulation of energy at the atomic level, and may have opened the door to limitless free energy, cures for AIDS and cancer, longevity, faster-than-light speeds, anti-gravity, and much more, perhaps even interdimensional and time travel. This discovery may have precipitated new governmental policies, and even war in the struggle to gain control over this new technology. So in his book about the Illuminati, he kicks off with ancient aliens, and then moves on to some pseudoscientific discovery about monatomic gold. How does any of this connect to Weishaupt and company? Well, it doesn't. Or it might. If you ask Jim Mars. See, Mars has gone whole hog on the idea of the Illuminati being behind everything. And if they're behind everything, then there's no digressive topic he can't squeeze into his narrative. Does he end up elaborating on the importance of this cotton farmer guy? 
Not really, except to note in passing that the man disappeared from view about 18 years ago after issuing some very strong promises. By 2004, David Hudson had dropped from sight after promising audiences that he intended to manufacture his monatomic white powder for the benefit of all humanity. His disappearance from the public scene engendered much speculation. Had he just been a hoaxer who slinked back into the shadows before he was exposed? Or had the people who so profited from medical treatments and pharmaceuticals and who had so much to lose due to his discovery, found a way to neutralize him? Or had he taken some of the amazing gold powder himself and shifted to another dimension? I'm going to go with option A. Me too. Anyway, Mars eventually drops this topic and moves on to other stupidity, though he manages in passing to suggest that the looting of the Iraqi National Museum in the wake of the American invasion in 2003 was maybe, just maybe, designed to cover up the acquisition by certain powers that be of certain ancient technologies that could disrupt the present-day corporate and religious status quo. Mars' leisurely and incomprehensible meandering through the history of the Illuminati eventually gets around to recapitulating most of the secret society topics we've covered, albeit far more credulously, as you might expect. And on the aforementioned topic of his presumed non-racism, he also has a very line-straddling chapter about the influence of Zionism on Illuminati conspiracies. He's at pains to distinguish a critique of Zionism from anti-Semitism, but given that his critique of Zionism is, basically, that it's an Illuminati plot, and given how tightly terms like Illuminati, international bankers, and Jews have been entwined in conspiracist thinking, his position isn't on the side of angels as one might hope, especially since he has traditional conspiracist view of the perfidy of the Rothschild banking family. So, kind of yuck. We gotta keep this wagon train rolling if we want finally to see the end of the Secret Society's talk, so we'll blaze through some other highlights of Mars' simultaneously dull and outrageous fantasies about the Illuminati. As you might expect, he leverages both the proven fraud of the Priory of Sion and the ahistorical fantasies woven by Albert Pike in service of Scottish Rite Masonry as evidence of the validity of other questionable sources. Apparently no one ever told him that backing up one spurious source with an equally spurious source is a complete waste of time. Or, to once again quote the young and then-funny Dennis Miller, two of shit is shit. He also tries to make conspiracy hay out of the acknowledged similarity between the utopian ideals of Karl Marx and other 19th century revolutionaries and Weishaupt's group. When really what it amounts to is emulation combined with coincidental confluence of aims among those groups, each of which was, after all, revolutionary. Well, let's not dismiss him so quickly here, Unicorn. After all, he does quote a source... According to author Douglas Reed, a former London Times correspondent, communism sprang directly from the Illuminati. When Weishaupt died in 1830, he wrote, His order was probably stronger than it had ever been, but was about to change its name. The same organization with the same aims was in the late 1840s to emerge as communism. Reed also said, Communism and the Russian Revolution also were the greatest Judaic triumph and vengeance on record, as they were organized, directed, and controlled by Jews who had grown up in the Talmud-controlled areas of Russia. He said that by following the Talmud law, thou shalt reign over every nation, and the Lord thy God shall set thee on high above all nations of the earth. The Jewish leaders of the revolution organized as a permanent destructive force with a permanent center of governance and a permanent armed force ready to conquer other nations. Intriguing. Now, just a quick Google search to learn a bit more about Mr. Reed. 
Oh, look at our old friend Wikipedia. Douglas Lancelot Reed was a British journalist, playwright, novelist, and writer of books with political themes. His book, Insanity Fair, examined the state of Europe and the megalomania of Adolf Hitler before the Second World War. Oh, sounds like a perfectly reasonable source. By the time of his death, Reed had been largely forgotten except for various remarks about Jews. Of course he was. Mars also claims that Alexander Hamilton... Alexander Hamilton? Alexander Hamilton! That's the very one. That his work to charter a national bank was obviously an Illuminati plot to take over the financial system of the young United States. So, who's in the Illuminati now? Mars quotes authors who name names. Fritz Springmeier, the controversial author of Bloodlines of the Illuminati, reports that the modern Illuminati is led by 13 prominent families. He gives the names Astor, Bundy, Collins, DuPont, Freeman, Kennedy, Lee, Onassis, Rockefeller, Rothschild, Russell, Van Dyne, and Merovingian, with others, such as Reynolds, Disney, Krupp, and McDonald, as intermarried extended families. We fully expect that in 50 years or so, a book with similar standards will recapitulate an updated list sporting monikers like Bezos, Gates, Tusk, Kardashian, Knowles, and Winfrey. Clearly, this is once again the sort of common-sense speculation. You're right to hear big sarcasm quotes around that common sense. That conspiracy authors regularly pass off to their all-too-receptive audiences as well-researched fact. The result? A huge number of people who simply know that the Astors, DuPonts, and Rockefellers are in the Illuminati. After all, the researchers say so. A couple more from Mars. One big part of his research consists of retelling stories from supposed Illuminati defectors. These folks, born into the family business of malfeasance and secret world ruling, choose to cast off these golden chains and instead spread the truth about the nefarious plans of their very own kin. But they're, I mean, not like super convincing? They can unquestionably be a riot to read, though. For example, consider this tidbit, related by a reputed former Illuminatus known only as Zvali. Young children are given psychic surgery, where the eye is placed inside, and they are told that Horus will snatch their soul if they ever try to leave, or if they tell, or that the eye will explode. The symbol on the dollar is reinforcement for every Illuminati child who sees one, and the reminder that they are being watched. So what he's saying there is that in addition to inexplicably advertising their secret plot to take over the world on every single US dollar via the legendary eye in the pyramid, harried Illuminati parents are also using the symbol as a sort of reverse Santa Claus to frighten their children into staying in line? Certainly appears so, but that's not the only first-hand report he quotes. And this next one hits close to home. A most unbelievable website appeared in December 2005, posted by Mimi L. Eustace, the daughter of Samuel Todd Churchill, said to be a high-level member of a New Orleans secret Mardi Gras society connected to the Illuminati. I get the feeling Mars doesn't mean the same thing we do when we agree this story is most unbelievable. Eustace spins a plot where Yankee agents posing as revelers used an existing social club in New Orleans as a cover to create... The front for an international banking cartel, the House of Rothschild, headquartered in Europe, as well as for Skull and Bones, a branch of the German Illuminati established by William Russell in 1832 at Yale University. The name of this newly formed secret group was the Mystic Crew of Comus. Hold on a second there, chum. 
That there crew of Comus we just heard about is a real thing, the first big Mardi Gras crew ever started in New Orleans. And yes, by the time it stopped parading in 1992, mostly because they were mad, the New Orleans passed an ordinance requiring Mardi Gras crews to allow black people in. Comus was widely known not only as a racist group of old fuddy-duddies, but also as one of the worst-throwing crews in all of Mardi Gras. So, like, good riddance, but goddammit you're not going to tarnish my Mardi Gras with Illuminati accusations. He means it, people. Tell him, D. There are several other tales of Illuminati growing pains, but some of them read almost like Mars is leveraging undiagnosed mental illness into spurious evidence for his silly fantasies, so we're going to skip those. But we will cap this with a brief mention of a source so reliable he conveyed his message on the Above Top Secret forum. Is that some sort of special, invite-only, dark website where secret agents and covert operatives exchange war stories? No, it's a web forum where any jackass can write anything he or she... But let's face it, mostly he. Once. Just like the rest of the internet. Hidden Hand said he was a member of the family, a group of elitists aligned with extraterrestrials. They are alternately called the Illuminati, Nephilim, Custodians, Watchers, and Advanced Beings. And all are the product of distinct bloodlines that have passed along wealth and power from one generation to another. I am a generational member of a ruling bloodline family, Hidden Hand proclaimed. Our lineage can be traced back beyond antiquity, from the earliest times of your recorded history and beyond. Our family has been directing the play from behind the scenes, in one way or another, before the rise and fall of Atlantis. Yes, that was indeed perfectly real. We are born to lead. It is part of the design for the current paradigm. Current paradigm established, we bid a fond farewell to Mr. Mars and his very silly book, and turn our attention to a topic I am woefully ill-equipped to weigh in on. As previously noted, we can't explicate each of the imagined Illuminatis that our fellow humans continue to obsess over, but we can do our best to explain one of them, specifically the version of the Illuminati conspiracy that absolutely obsesses a subset of hip-hop fandom. Arizona really busted a move and got fresh and dope on that one, didn't he? Yeah, boy! That simply awful Flavor Flav is all you're getting out of us in terms of hipping and hopping, as I am acutely conscious of the thin cultural ice my white ass is treading on here, and I plan to remain accordingly cautious. Still, I am in fact a fan of hip-hop. Well, like old hip-hop, and like Outkast and Goody Mop, which, come to think of it, is probably old hip-hop at this point and run the jewels and Kendrick in pre-crazy Kanye, but he's full-on old man shakes fist at cloud about SoundCloud rappers. And I found it weird over the years to hear stories and rumors about one or another artist whose meteoric rise ends up associated, in some observers' minds, with a sort of black music-specific version of the centuries-old Illuminati conspiracy theory. Plus, there's the fascination with Illuminati symbology that Tupac and other major artists have featured in their work, whether it represents the price of fame or the behind-the-scenes manipulators who are bent on cutting artists down in their prime. 
Why would fans of this distinctly urban African-American music genre feature so many expressions of interest in the afterlife of a failed Bavarian revolutionary group? Now, there clearly are reasons that black people, especially in the United States, may be doubtful or even cynical of official explanations for anything. We need hardly even list the reasons. But here's a few. Chattel slavery, three-fifths compromise, fugitive slave laws, failure to provide post-Civil War reparations, Jim Crow, lynchings and assassinations whose perpetrators were let off by all-white juries, the Tuskegee Airmen, the Tulsa Massacre, failure of school integration, Reagan's racist Wilfer Queen anti-black dock whistles, Rockefeller drug laws, unwillingness to do prison reform, predatory lending practices leading to widespread evictions and foreclosures in black communities during the housing crisis, the unending racist smears against our first African-American president, the negative reaction to every pro-civil rights gesture from kneeling during the anthem to the largely peaceful Black Lives Matter protests, and let's say 50% of anything that came out of Donald Trump's mouth between 2015 and this morning. Right. So if anyone should get a pass for a little conspiracy-friendly suspicion, it's the young black people who have been the beating heart of hip-hop since its inception. But why this version? Why is the Illuminati just as attractive as a conspiracy focus point for free-floating anxiety among fans of everyone from Tupac to Gucci Mane as it was for the alt-right white nationalist conspiracy theorists who stormed the Capitol in 2021? It's easy to find evidence that people believe there's a close connection between rap royalty and the ill-defined Illuminati. But surprisingly, if you search YouTube, the results you get will skew toward some very sensible rappers discussing the whole thing in extremely reasonable and pragmatic terms, or simply laughing it off. I think a brother use anything in order to make it. It's all about profiteering. To me, a motherfucker throw up a pentagram to sell three records. They ain't going to no goddamn meetings and shit. It's your ass going home watching reality TV and counting your stacks. Hip-hop rumors. Did French Montana get initiated into the Illuminati? And if that is the case, can you bring me in too, fam? The Illuminati come to your house. I'm going to let him in, and I'm going to sign right there. Oh, I'm going to let him be my mother. Exactly, sign her up, too. Son. Yeah, get the whole fam in there. The whole can. fam, whole family Illuminati. Yeah, maybe like a family discount joining. Yeah, like how can we get a family plan? A family plan, exactly. <laughs> yeah, good credit, I need it. Why do you think there is so much rumors about Illuminati, this and that? Why this secret organization that everyone seems to know about, but knows nothing about? The secret society is the people that's rich. They hang around with each other. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Yeah. You know, people that got, you know, same thing to lose. Has the Illuminati approached you yet? The Illuminati need to stay away from me because it's like, I'm too powerful. But that's what they do. They come for the powerful niggas and they try to bring them to the dark. So, yes, the Illuminati has approached me and I told them, fuck off. I feel like <clears throat> directors and um, uh, people that do imagery who went to school the past last 10 years these are some things that they learn, which is symbols, um, different icons, just to get us talking. Right. I'm the director. I'm shooting this shit. You don't know this fucking behind you. You fucking titty boy. You Jay-Z. You don't, You just standing here with your clothes on and your hue blow. You don't know what the fuck I'm doing. People go online and say, Vlad is an Illuminati. And guess what happened? The views go up. The views don't help Vlad. The views help me, right. the fucking director. I have questions like this. Is it only in rap? I mean, Denzel Washington has done 100 movies in a row. What group is he in? Uh, my take on the Illuminati is all these rappers are fucking wannabes. 
they want to be. You know, it's the same way when rappers were, oh, I'm John Gotti and I'm you know, mafia and mafioso, kill, kill. They are promoting the Illuminati imagery. They are. Now, are they part of the big world power that's, you know, and shit? No, they're not. They're nothing. They're just rappers rapping, try to pretend like they're part of something bigger than, than, than they really are. Sure, you might be thinking, you skeptics think there's nothing to it but rumors, and that's just what those Illuminati motherfuckers want you to believe. And if that's the case, then boy, are there some hip-hop fans who agree with you. Not that you'll see them in your YouTube results. In spite of ongoing criticism that they should be doing more, we can assure you, given that we spend way too much time trying to find crazy people saying crazy shit online, it has gotten much harder to do so using YouTube's and Facebook's, Twitter's, etc. own tools. Thankfully, the Google algorithm can still be cajoled to focus its power on finding tailor-made crazy pants videos like these. Look at this picture of a Christian worship concert. Now look at this picture of a Jay-Z concert. What's the difference? Notice how they have their hands lifted up, giving praise to Jay-Z. It's no coincidence that he calls himself Hova, which is short for Jehovah, which is God's name in modern Hebrew. Jay-Z knows that he's being worshipped. Because he sold his soul to be in that seat. But almost everybody knows that Jay-Z is a Freemason Illuminati member. So I want to deal with his wife, Beyonce. Let's talk about Aaliyah. The truth on why Aaliyah died, her death was planned out by someone who loved her and needed her for his own blood sacrifice. Now, you know, you got all these characters getting down with the Illuminati, you got rumors about people being in the Illuminati, you know, who's there, what is the Illuminati, you know, if you don't know what the Illuminati is by now, you might as well turn off your TV because you still don't know what hip-hop is. You might as well pick up a book, start all over, you know what I'm saying? Because right now, we're living in some of the most pressured and manipulated times, you know what I'm saying? The pressure and manipulated times, and they've been working through us. They've been seeping through the minds through us through movies and music and commercials. And, One thing we noticed listening to these earnest truth tellers was how sensitive they were about the fact that others didn't believe their theories. As one of these indignant muckrakers notes, It's perceived that the Illuminati is just a conspiracy theory. And when you try to wake people up, they, it's hard because they feel you're nuts. Wait, I'm sorry, they do what? They fill your nuts. No, no, I think I missed it again. They... Fill your nuts. Jesus, that's awkward. What do they do next? They put it right in our faces. If you're keeping score, that's absolutely the most puerile thing we've ever done, and I regret nothing. You may have noticed the mention of blood sacrifices in that audio. These accusations appear to be key to the hip-hop Illuminati conspiracy, that above a certain level of success... It's safe to assume that an artist reached those heights by signing a pact with the Illuminati and willingly sacrificing someone else's life to their demonic occult masters. Remember how we said it seems like most of those spreading Illuminati rumors are not hip-hop notables in their own rights, but rather fans or peripheral hangers-on? Well, there's a big exception, a major figure from the early days of the genre who seems obsessed with spreading the idea that the Illuminati and their lust for blood dominate modern music. And that exception is one. Professor Griff. If you're old enough to remember the emergence of Public Enemy, you may also remember the group's most controversial member. Labor Flav? Heavens no. I mean Professor Griff, the leader of the S1W, Soldiers of the First World, the paramilitary-ish camouflage drill squad that looked so pants-shittingly black and militant to white conservatives of the era. 
While the S1W are still a vital part of the PE experience, Griff was booted out of the group in the early 90s after a series of very anti-Semitic statements he gave in press interviews. How anti-Semitic? Well, he suggests that Jews were responsible for most of the evil in the world and that if Palestinians killed all the Israelis, that would be A-OK. We bring this up for two reasons. First, so we can play you this incredible skit from the Dead Milkmen's 1990 record, Metaphysical Graffiti. those snotty punk bastards. But more germanely, we think it's appropriate to note that Griff remains a sought-after lecturer on the, let's call it, open-to-extremely-ill-supported-research speaking circuit. And therefore, he ends up quoted all over the fucking place in videos about hip-hop stars, the Illuminati, and the supposed blood sacrifices that allow the former entrance into the latter. You want to operate in that $20 million club and higher, $100 million club where these brothers were operating in? Oh, you gotta pay your pay the price. You gotta bond yourself to these people forever. Let's look at some of the other people that bonded themselves to this demonic energy. When Kanye West wanted to be up in that space so bad, he signed the oath, took the oath rather, and signed on, became a Mason and took the oath, um, um, wrote Lucifer, Son of the Morning, for Jay-Z, and that was his initiation, and sure enough, he lost his mind. Well, that's all well and good, but Griff's not putting a lot of asses in seats in the 21st century, and thank God there's no one who has a big platform who would be crazy enough to actually feature Griff's Illuminati bullshit. Professor Griff, uh, one of the great granddaddies, one of the icons, one of the founders of rap and what is hip-hop, you can't really think of it. Uh, we're not going to make you listen to a toxic dose of Alex Jones's voice. For a complete list of side effects, please refer to a false flag episode available in the feed. So to round out our coverage here, it made sense once again to pull open the Kindle Unlimited magical bag of self-published insanity and see what we can root around and find at the bottom. First, we turn to Rebecca Scott, who wrote the books Hip Hop Illuminati and Hip Hop Illuminati 2. Prior to receiving divine guidance that instructed her to write the first of these books, We don't make it up. We just quote it. Ms. Scott's author note indicates she worked in the industry for decades, mostly as a manager. But as we just reported, the Lord told her back in 2010 to get started on exposing the occult demons who have unfortunately taken near-complete control of the rap world. On behalf of all sarcastic podcasters, We'd like to thank the deity for this inspiration. The most confusing thing about Ms. Scott's diagnosis of the Illuminati's takeover is that she insists you can see their work in everything from Lil Wayne's meteoric rise to the top of the charts to Easy es AIDS diagnosis and death, from Jay-Z's and Beyonce's position at the absolute pinnacle of global fame to Wu-Tang rapper Old Dirty Bastards Tragic, but not exactly unanticipated Demise from drug overdose Left Eye of TLC dead because of her Illuminati association. Aaliyah, dead in a plane crash because somebody else was sacrificing her to the Loomis to get ahead in the business. Rihanna is in the Illuminati because of the way she acts during certain of her videos. 
the Kanye West VMA stunt during Taylor Swift's acceptance speech. I'm really happy for you. I'm let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Was part of a satanic rite to initiate Swift into the Illuminati. Lauren Hill's career burnout and other issues are part of the sacrifice she's made to avoid working for the Illuminati. R. Kelly's downfall is because he was too good of a servant to the Illuminati. DMX, who was still with us when these books were written, got thrown in jail for dissing Illuminati golden boy Jay-Z, and not because he had racked up a truly impressive series of legal issues, one of which was bound to bite him in the ass eventually. It's heads I win, tails you lose. Whatever happens, to whomever, wherever, under whatever circumstances, it's all the Illuminati. The books are full of delicious tidbits. For example, ever since Jay-Z and Beyoncé announced that they were giving their first child the oh-so-celebrity moniker Blue Ivy, people have speculated about the reason for the name. Suggestions include Hova's legendary blueprint albums and the fact that the couple both consider the number four significant to their lives. And of course, a Roman numeral four is... They get it. But Ms. Scott knows the real reason. Quote, the female child born in 2012 was appropriately named Blue Ivy. Ivy equals Illuminati's very youngest. Oh, of course. It's so obvious in retrospect. You doubt her? And you think this supposedly all-powerful organization would be pretty stupid if they put their symbols all over everywhere while trying to stay secret? Well, she knows why that's the case, too. My friend will say, if the Illuminati is real, why did they put out all their clues and symbols everywhere? I thought they were a secret society. If they were so secret, why would they do that? Now see how that works? The Illuminati consists of smart, and I mean really smart people. They even have scientists and psychologists. And their reverse psychology trick worked on many people. And they don't remove the information for the same reason too, so people will deny them. It's all about reverse psychology. Wouldn't it be proof of their existence if they removed all the info about them? Please. Think this all out wisely. Do all of you enjoy hearing the gears of the author's brain screaming as they struggle to grind through her cognitive dissonance? Or is that just me? Ms. Scott isn't done naming names. Not by a long shot. Black Entertainment Television is... An Illuminati front whose sole purpose is to dilute the minds of African Americans with perverse ideals and to slave their minds by showing violent, ignorant programming. Hit me again. The Illuminati control the schools in order to make sure that young people learn to enjoy strange, tuneless music and weird, outlandish games. They also replace people with doubles. For many years, they recruited lookalikes who would serve their ends. Now they are perfecting cloning technology that will let them replace anybody. Delectable. Unfortunately, not all of her wild ravings are so easy to stomach. Did Jennifer Hudson sacrifice her family for fame? She says, Jesuit, what are you going to make me read? No, you're right. I'll do it. By the way, terrible grammar and missing punctuation are the fault of the original author. Gregory King, the father of Jennifer Hudson's nephew Julian, claims he heard his son's murder might have been an Illuminati sacrifice being that Jennifer is an Eastern Star, female Mason. He mentions it as being the reason she is where she is now. According to the police, that little boy was shot in the head and tortured. This disgusting murder has all of the earmarks of a ritual sacrifice to me. Oh, and have you noticed how Jenny has considerably stepped up her game since then? End quote. Ugh. That was fucking vile. In case you missed the actual story, in 2008, Hudson's mother, brother, and nephew were murdered by her sister's estranged husband, who had been heard threatening to kill his wife's family literally dozens of times prior to the crimes. There's no mystery here and apparently no depths to which Ms. Scott won't sink. 
Moving on, we'll close out with a look at Sacrifice, Magic Beyond the Mic, written by an extremely prolific author who calls himself Isaac Weishaupt, an obvious homage to the Illuminati founder. Goodreads pegs Isaac's current output at 23 volumes, meaning he might be the heir to Jim Mars' mantle of conspiracy logoria. And his conspiracy game is on point. By on point, you mean he marshals shoddy research with a few unrelated facts to draw conclusions that are either unsupported or just obviously wrong? Precisely. He comes out the gate strong, suggesting that the origins of the Illuminati's takeover of hip-hop can be traced to the Boule, a fraternity-style organization of educated black men that was modeled after conspiracy theorist favorite Yale's then-whites-only Skull and Bones Society. Weishaupt has plenty to allege about this group, starting with his suggestion that they were the first African-American secret society. Um, what about Prince Hall Freemasons? <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Dana. You have been listening. Yes, the Prince Hall Freemasons predate the Boulay Society by like 120 years, but our Isaac has only begun to spout weird shit about this topic. The Boulay was established by the Illuminati in order to patrol the black communities and prevent any uprisings. Conspiracy theorist Steve Coakley claims that Dr. Martin Luther King, Jesse Jackson, President Barack Obama, and Bill Cosby are all members of the Boule. He claims they are posing as civil rights activists, ultimately support the Illuminati agenda. The allegation is that they perform homosexual rituals that are recorded for the sake of blackmail and do the bidding of the super elites in order to gain access to even higher positions of power. Some of the things that actually support this theory are the perpetuation of negative messages throughout the black community and rap music. Gangster rap that glorifies black-on-black violence, calling each other the N-word, referring to the women as bitches, or just reinforcing the message that poor urban black youths are doomed to stay in the ghetto are all pervasive. Wait, how the fuck did he connect this group to first those prominent black people and then to control of hip-hop? Well, let's see here. He doesn't. But he has more evidence. The Boulay also uses a black ball to cast votes, a concept that was repeated in the MTV reality contest show From G's to Jets that took gangsters and thugs and tried to reform them into gentlemen. Oh, well then. Didn't realize the case was so clear-cut. Carry on. Yeah, let's see what he has to say about the Rodney King riots. One of the deadliest riots in U.S. history was the 1992 Los Angeles riot that sparked as the result of the trial that found LAPD officers not guilty on charges of excessive force against Rodney King, even though there was video evidence. This event was covered in detail by all major media outlets, and 53 people died from April 29th to May 4th of 1992. Many hip-hop artists spoke out against the LAPD, but I'd like to mention some occult aspects of this event that suggest a potential ritual of the Illuminati. Sadly, this tragedy occurred, or perhaps was orchestrated, over the pagan holiday of Beltane. This holiday used to be observed with sacrifices to the deity Baal through bonfires which derive from bale fires or Baal fires. Aside from the basic description of the riots, everything about that was wrong. Baal? That was a deity worshipped by other groups inhabiting the same region where the Israelites lived back in Old Testament times. Their gods ended up the bad guys in the Jews' version of the scriptures. 
That figure has nothing to do with Beltane, a seasonal ritual celebrated by Gaelic peoples. Essentially a proto-Irish and Scots. So he's only like 3,000 miles off. The confusion appears to be that there is a Celtic deity with a similar name, but for Christ's sake, just do the minimum amount of due diligence, dude. Oh, and bonfires have nothing to do with Baal either. The name derives from bone fires. He then immediately goes on to suggest that the release of Dre's classic The Chronic later in 1992 was a watershed in bringing the glorification of drugs, violence, and the gang life home to middle America. Which, as middle school Jesuit, whose first surreptitious hearing of the legendary superviolent, incredibly raw, Easy E, Easy Does It album occurred at a life-changing sleepover way back in 1988, can tell you is a load of shit. If anything, The Chronic was lighter on the violence and instead emphasized being... Well, laid back. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Psst. That was a Snoop solo track. It is not on the chronic. I know, I know, but it's the same general era Dre produced it and the line was too good to pass up. We should take this opportunity to talk a bit more about Tupac Shakur, a legendary artist gunned down far too young and one of the big obsessions of this and many other hip-hop conspiracies. On the surface, there's good reason for that. Shortly after his murder in 1996, his first posthumous album was released under the artist's pseudonym Machiavelli, titled Don Illuminati, The Seven Day Theory. Yeah, that would lead people to associate the man with the Illuminati now that you mention it. The album itself, though, in spite of the title and circumstances surrounding its release, is not obsessed with conspiracy, nor even really with his own violent death, though he definitely does mention that idea here, as he does on all of his other albums. You can find any number of videos online collecting all of Pac's references to his own demise. But Weishaupt calls out one specific song, the title of which we're not going to say because, obviously. A song Tupac did with rapper Richie Rich called N-Words Done Changed was released just two months after Tupac's murder, and in it, Tupac foreshadows his own death. What they tell me, I'm making these motherfuckers hop on their toes like, Calvin Bali, I've been shot and murdered, can't tell you how it happened, word for word, but best believe that N-Word's gonna get what they deserve. Big also spoke about his death on Suicidal Thoughts, the last track on Ready to Die. I swear to God, I feel like death is fucking calling me. At some point, you have to believe these rappers had the foresight to know what was going to happen to them. Then there's the fact that so much music was released after his death, much of which continued on the theme of Tupac's potential for a violent end. So, was the Illuminati involved? Well, if you want pat answers, Isaac W. has you covered. Let me stay on the theme of Illuminati blood sacrifice and just say that there's obviously a conspiracy and well-orchestrated cover-up with the deaths of both Tupac and Big. Biggie Smalls was killed after leaving a Vibe magazine after-party in Los Angeles. Tupac was gunned down on a packed Las Vegas strip with no apparent witnesses. Also, take a look at some of their albums that seem to have aspects of predictive programming when they foreshadowed their own deaths. Not sure what the fuck aspects of predictive programming means, but he seems to think the case is closed. But friends, consider how many rappers, many of whom were raised in environments that exposed them to violence from a young age, some of whom were previously in the drug trade or at the very least grew up on what we euphemistically call the mean streets or the ghetto, 
have seen their friends and family die young, and naturally then, how many have mused on the possibility that they themselves might die young? But then how many of those actually do? I mean, too many, obviously. But just basic math tells you that most people, even in those circumstances, end up living a natural lifespan. It's a hugely popular trope. Hell, it's not even limited to hip-hop. The idea of living fast, dying young, and leaving a beautiful corpse has been part of youth culture since at least James Dean. So if enough artists convey the sentiment, it's inevitably going to appear prescient when you hear it from the small subset of those artists who do in fact end up dying young. Like, for example, Dean himself. Just remember, for every Tupac or Biggie who seems to have predicted their own deaths, there are a hundred Roger Daltrys who, in spite of their protestations, have long, long, long outlived their own relevance. Naturally, the book hits on all of the Jay-Z stuff we mentioned before, but we're only going to touch on one additional point. The indisputable fact that his legendary The Blueprint album was released on September 11th, 2001. This, of course, is no coincidence, but rather an obvious symbol of his Illuminati membership. Why, then, doesn't Isaac Weishaupt spare a moment to mention the album Party Music by Oakland hip-hop underground legends The Coup? Why? Was that album also released on the same day as the tragedy? Not the day, but the same month, September of 2001. But the difference is that the cover of Jay-Z's album released that day features the artist relaxing and smoking a cigar. The Coup album cover, already printed and scheduled for release within a week or two of that September 11th, features group leader Boots Riley literally detonating a bomb with the actual World Fucking Trade Center exploding in the background. You're making that up. I am not, as a simple Google search will prove to you. And the album is completely on brand for the coup. Their avowed communists and symbolically blowing up a huge symbol of global capitalism is kind of their jam. That really happened. But it goes unmentioned in this book, in favor of the decidedly less spooky coincidence of Jay-Z releasing an album on the same day. Presumably, that's because no one has accused Boots & Co. of being in the Illuminati. Holy fucking shit, that's weird. Indeed it is. So what's next? Oh, yeah, we're just going to let you hear from Weishaupt himself about Dre and his headphones. The theory that the headphones crafted by Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine in 2008 are used for a satanic purpose. The support for this idea is that the products are placed in various Illuminati symbol-loving artist videos, such as Miley Cyrus, Nicki Minaj, Robin Thicke, Ariana Grande, etc. The elites of the asset management Carlisle Group invested around $500 million into Beats, and you might recognize that name because Michael Moore highlighted their conspiracy involvement in the film Fahrenheit 9-11. In just six short years, the Beats headphones got sold to Apple for over $3 billion, making Dr. Dre the richest human being to come from the hip-hop culture ever. Some question why Apple bought the headphones because true audiophiles have claimed they are some of the worst quality headphones on the market. They've been shown to only cost $14 to make, yet they sell for over $400 at times. This makes the parties involved true sorcerers as they've made something out of nothing, a concept I keep highlighting. You could have seen this coming if you analyzed the name and logo for Beats. They have a lowercase b, which looks like a 6, and theorists have claimed that makes the 666 if you add up all the b's on the product. If you also move the letters in the word, you'll go from Beats to Beast. Jesuit. This guy can't really believe this shit. Hard to say. He spends a lot of time acting like he believes it if he doesn't. 
Let's see. Weishaupt also suggests Eminem's fame was a deliberate ploy by the Illuminati to spread prescription pill usage. Before Eminem hit the scene, marijuana was the recreational party drug of choice for America's youth. The artwork on Eminem's first CD was a depiction of a Vicodin pill being broken open. On the song I Am Shady, he says, I think I got a generation brainwashed to pop pills and smoke pot till their brains rot. The glorification of pill usage and the lyrical content of this best-selling rapper paralleled the actual pill abuses in America over the course of the 2000s to the 2010s. The fact that an album released by one of the most influential rappers of all time depicted a Vicodin being used is quite ironic, with the fact that Vicodin abuses increased during that same time frame. So our Isaac is still super wrong here, but at least he's wrong in a different and interesting way. He's confusing correlation for causation. He thinks Eminem is the cause of increased pill usage, whereas it's obviously more likely that the rapper's unacknowledged pill addict was instead a member of the demographic that turned to pill usage in the wake of economic collapse in Rust Belt areas like his native Detroit. A similar cultural assumption, that Britney Spears was the inspiration for the wave of babies named Britney, when in reality she was a member of that wave, was covered in the first Freakonomic books. There are plenty of other bugbears in this book, including how the legendary Super Bowl halftime wardrobe malfunction, where Justin Timberlake exposed Janet Jackson's evil, evil titty to a global audience, was all part of the conspiracy. If you look closely at Nipplegate, you'll see that she was actually wearing a nipple pasty in the shape of a star. This star was quite intricate, more so than a standard stripper pasty, and had eight points on it. In Crowley's magic system, this is the Eight of Wands, essentially the symbol of chaos, which represents the star of Ishtar and Venus, a feminine goddess principle. These tie us right back into Crowley's Whore of Babylon, who is the feminine incarnation of evil. All of his obsessions boil down to an insistence that the whole point of all the Illuminati skullduggery is to promote violence to suburban white teenagers, to make them obsessed with guns and death. And what was it that made the white audience listen? Violence. Hollywood and the West Coast brought gangster rap onto the scene, when rap actually started with a positive and motivational message on the East Coast. During the gangster rap golden age of the 1990s, three-quarters of all rap albums sold went to suburban, white, teenage customers. There was an insatiable desire for guns and violence, and that is evident all around us with intense video games and films. The music industry is just another aspect of this twisted, death-obsessed culture of ours. But of course, that same period saw the most precipitous drop in U.S. violent crime on record. So his key insight about the Illuminati's grand hip-hop plan is that it failed? The book is horseshit. Surprise. But there's no doubt that Illuminati talk does indeed resonate with a significant portion of the hip-hop audience. What do we make of that? Well, if you don't take the easy, conspiracy-friendly angle pursued by Scott and Weishaupt, one useful framing device might be the metaphor of Robert Johnson at the crossroads. There's an old blues legend that goes something like this. If a man wants to learn to play the guitar like no other, all he need do is find his way to the crossroads. If he waits there till midnight, the devil will appear and offer to tune his guitar. Once the act is complete, the man will be able to play anything he wants. And for this small favor, all the devil asks in return is the man's soul. That video by Polyphonic goes on to clarify and expand upon the Johnson legend, and you should definitely watch it. But we're not after the real story here, but rather the story the culture has preserved. That is, the idea that artists must sacrifice so much to master their art. Other interests, their relationships, or in extreme cases, even their health. 
that the sacrifice is tantamount to selling your soul to the devil, or, more germanely to the current point, that artists are at the whims of all-powerful corporations that will screw them at every turn, that success requires obeying these corporate overlords, and in some ways, that feels like losing your soul. You don't need to imagine the culprit is the reincarnation of some Vivarians. You just need to see the tragedy that occurs when the powerful and self-interested can manipulate talented, desperate young people, leading not only to a situation where the entrenched control structure takes most of the profits from art they can't themselves generate, but it also imposes rules, conditions, images, and lifestyles that too often drive sensitive artists to the brink of madness or self-destruction. Which brings us to the end of this series. What, really? I actually thought this would go on forever. No, we are just about finished. And what have we learned? on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.